Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credenz Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credenz variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. What are we going to talk about today? Well, there is a big global ethanol summit going on in Washington, D.C. We'll talk with the chief counsel for the Renewable Fuels Association to get a report from that event. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley scheduled to give us a call today. we to get his thoughts on the China deal, RFS announcement, impeachment proceedings, lots to talk about with Senator Grassley. And we're going to also get the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers coming up later in the program as well. So that's what's on the schedule. We're going to start it off with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, thank you for joining us. Um, deal with China. Do we have one or not? Uh, how confident are we in uh uh, in this deal at this point, I'm I'm hearing mixed signals and seeing mixed signals here. Right. Yeah. Well, nice to be with you, Mike. Uh, I I agree. I think uh, we're at a point here where you know we had this really good announcement, seemingly good announcement on Friday, um, and then over the weekend there, there's some doubts that kind of creeped in as to what was actually the agreement. Um, I think the latest report and the latest concern is that perhaps China is wanting a lot more. Uh, on the tariff relief side than, than what the original agreement has seemed, seemed to give. Uh, from what we were seeing and in our reporting, it was on Friday, uh, part of it was uh, the U.S. was going to not raise tariffs on China. But uh, since then, we've heard reports that the Chinese have said, uh, you know, they're asking for uh, a complete rollback of the tariffs that have been uh, levied against them since this trade war began. So that's a much different prospect. Um, and so I don't know uh, exactly, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the wording of, of any agreement that's actually signed uh, to really know what's what's going on. Um, either way, we've seen China uh, supposedly pick up uh, its purchase of, of ag products in the United States. And, you know, there's things like that going on. Uh, but you're right. I, I don't know that we really know at this point exactly what the agreement is. It seems like, well, that event on Friday at the White House, it made it sound, while they talked about, hey, there were some things to work out, It's it made it sound right. like they were pretty close to having all that done. Uh, now it seems like that, that was kind of a premature uh, event, almost, uh, uh, you know, just wanting to show good good face after all the negotiations that have gone on. It's, it just seems like they might have got out ahead of themselves a little bit. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I, the good news of this, I think, though, is that uh, this is probably the best or the farthest that we've gotten on this issue. Um, you know, if, if, if we go, if we look back on all the all the ups and downs of, of this whole scenario, uh, we've always seemed to have, you know, little blips of good news here and there, and they kind of go away, and then we, you know, it's kind of lost somewhere along the way. But 
I think with this, you know, the, the prospects of the Chinese having more discussions with us uh, yet this month uh, on what this final uh, phase one agreement will be, I think that's probably, I think you could consider that some, some progress. But, uh, yeah, it's really at a point here where we don't know uh, what the Chinese have exactly asked for. And if, uh, you know, at the White House on Friday, it seemed quite clear uh, both sides seem to be in agreement Um you know, also, we've also seen over the weekend where, where the China, people on the Chinese side of things have said that, uh, yeah, we've, we've agreed to purchase uh, 40 to $50 billion in ag products, and, uh, you know, there's really no controversy here. But I, 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 think that, uh, I think that we've seen that, you know, this thing isn't entirely over, and uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks uh, if, if, you know, there is some sort of a meeting, you know, what comes from that. Yep, we continue to wait to see. We're talking with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, uh, I've just noticed recently how many commercials that are on uh, TV uh, with plant-based products, not just uh, the burgers but and uh, the drinks, but now plant-based butter. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We've heard that big money's pouring in on on these uh, ventures and in backing these products, but I think it's something that the the uh, uh, livestock groups, the dairy industry, and others are really going to have to uh, take seriously and uh, have a, a good response to all this. Yeah, I think so, Mike. You know, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think anytime these industries. Uh, can kind of hone their messages and, uh, you know, reiterate the, the positives of, of what they produce and what they offer to the American consumer. I think that's a good thing. Now, whether, um, you know, it, it's, it would be easy for these industries to, to kind of go into a real defensive mode, uh, you know, and there should be some of that to a degree, but I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for them to sell what they do. And, um, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of good nutritional uh, basis for for the products that they sell, and I think that's something that you know now we're going to see probably more of these these industries really rallying behind this because uh, at the end of the day, uh, these plant based products are, are taking market. Uh, you know, they're they're direct competitors, uh, and but maybe there's ways that these uh, you know the the dairy and the meat industries can can rally and basically find a way uh, to become more competitive through all this. But here, here's. To me, here's the problem. They're going to have to have allies because what we've seen over the years and heard repeatedly, agriculture, these groups don't have the money to go out there with big advertising campaigns and compete, uh, whereas you have this new money flowing into these new industries, and they have companies willing to spend the money. Are there companies that are basically going to run a real beef or real dairy campaign? That That's what it seems like it would, would take. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that you're you're right. I mean, when you when you have all this money flowing to this to the plant-based industry that we're seeing now, it is tough to compete. There's no doubt about it. And right now, um, you know, many of these products have the headlines. You know, we're not we're not hearing about we're not hearing from the traditional ag uh, ag production side of things on on what you know what they offer. Um, you know, it's a great point. I think, uh, you know, beef, for example, has been a great product for, for many of the companies that, that sell it. Uh, and I suspect that those companies would, would say that it's still a very important product. But um, I think they'll have to, I think both industries, the industries involved here, will have to find a way uh, to kind of separate themselves from, from what isn't, you know, what is what is not the real thing, so to speak. 
And I think the other big challenge here is uh, these companies are going to portray it, and there are a certain segment of people buying into that somehow they're saving the planet by uh, uh, purchasing these products. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if you think about it, it's a genius move by a lot of these companies to put the money where, you know, where the public is paying the most attention. And I, I think that's what this is at the, at the moment. Uh, you know, it's quite a craze out there. There are a lot of people looking for plant-based products and, you know, looking for things that are more sustainable and, and whatever the case may be. But, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an issue. And it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, if whether uh, a lot of the traditional uh, production side of agriculture can come up with a, with a counter-argument. And I suspect that they, they will at some point. Yeah, I think it's really a, a story and an issue to, to watch here closely. Todd, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Mike. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, so the uh, Global Ethanol Summit is going on this week in Washington, D.C. We'll get a report next. Stay with us here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop, that's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. A global ethanol summit underway in Washington, D.C. Here to tell us about it is Ed Hubbard, Chief Counsel for the Renewable Fuels Association. Ed, good to talk with you. Tell us about the event. Great to talk to you, Mike. You know, listen, we've, we've been working to, uh, to make sure that we can find uh, market access around the globe, and this global ethanol summit is probably one of the best so far. This is the third installment of these summits. The first one was a, a Asia, a, a Latin America or, or Summit of the Americas. Second one was an Asian Pacific Summit. But this has become, I think, a, a very significant driving force in, in developing or at least uh, trying to share our message around the globe. Uh, we've got over 308 international participants here from 60 different countries, all interested in knowing how best to utilize uh, uh, ethanol and, and biofuels like ethanol uh, in their fuel system. This has been a, a, a wonderful surprise how this event has turned out, and, and we're just happy to be a part of it. So this is educational and also maybe a way to, to get buyers and sellers connected? Ab absolutely. Uh, part of the program, uh, built into the program, is a, a B2B component, which allows uh, uh different delegations to sit down with potential buyers, I mean, uh, potential sellers, so that the two of them can, can ink out deals. But during the daytime, we talk about 
you know, the benefits of ethanol, the octane benefits of ethanol, the greenhouse gas re- uh, re- reducing benefits of ethanol, uh, and and. Uh, and so the combined, both the, 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 the diplomacy, the kind of uh, best practices uh, assistance they, they get, but also uh, the business opportunities are, are key to this conference, which I think is uh, unique to, 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 to many conferences. Well, we talk a lot about the loss of the export market to China. Maybe that'll change uh, if this deal goes through. But uh, there are a lot of other markets, right, that uh, are buying and interested in buying our ethanol. Absolutely, and some and some very different markets. We've got a a, a great deal of interest coming out of, of Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, uh, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, we've got interest coming out of Indonesia and and Australia. Uh, we've got interest uh, really across the globe, uh, from from the Philippines uh, to India to to uh, any market that's out there uh, that potentially has air quality issues, and that includes really all of these um, emerging markets, emerging countries, and emerging in, um, uh, 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 these emerging countries, and and so. Um, Certainly, these opportunities are are are, uni- are are wonderful. I think it's a, a great opportunity. We're talking with Ed Hubbard, Chief Counsel for the Renewable Fuels Association, from the Global Ethanol Summit going on in Washington D.C. So, Ed, are these uh, countries and their representatives at this summit uh, are they still learning about ethanol? They're curious. They want more details. Is is that part of what this is about? Well, well part of it is. Part of it is an educational. Uh, there is an educational component to it. Mo- most people know the kind of the very basic elements of, of, of biofuel or ethanol that allows you to extend your fuel supplies. But what a lot of people don't understand is that ethanol is the uh, the lowest cost, highest octane additive, uh, uh, octane enhancer in, uh, that's available. And and I, I don't think uh, everyone appreciates kind of the. The, uh, the wonderful, the extensive opportunities or the extensive benefits that you get from ethanol. So, one, uh, it is reminding them of the clean properties of ethanol, but also the, the, uh, the uh, economic and consumer benefits of, of having uh, a cheap octane enhancer to uh, add to your fuel, uh, which would extend your supplies, but also provide you that that high octane, high octane value that's very important for the fuel supply. So they're learning some things that are very basic, uh, ethanol 101, but they're also learning some, some uh, I think, some uh, high-end uh, 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 new information that would help uh, drive decisions when they go back home to speak to their, their, uh, their, their citizens as well as their government officials. So we've, we've got... Government officials here uh, from various countries. We've got industry uh, officials uh, from from various countries. Uh, you know, I think the message is being heard wide and clear, uh, and I think this is something that that the world and, and uh, the global ethanol industry needs. It needs a little more coordination about its messaging. It needs a little more coordination about its, its marketing, uh, and I think this is just the type of uh, event that would help that. What is the talk in the industry about uh, the China situation? Is there optimism uh, after the announcement Friday that uh, that market may open back up to ethanol exports? 
that market, as you, as I'm sure you know, that market is a game changer. Uh, we we are extremely excited uh, about the opportunity of finally kind of resolving that trade dispute. But we do realize that there is a, a lot more to do. Uh, there are, you know, obviously the devil's in the details. We are certainly have our fingers crossed that, that ethanol would be one of the ag products included in that uh, in that deal. Um, uh, it looks as if it may be, but uh, like I said, we, we just we just don't know the details as of yet. But but certainly we are uh, encouraged that uh, that some deal is, is is close on the horizon. We know the challenges domestically with the RFS, and hopefully we're making yeah. progress on those. But there's no doubt the, the the real growth was coming from export markets such as yeah. China before the trade war started, and that yeah. that really which, holds which a lot I of potential. Which why this conference is so important. Yes, China is a key market. It, it ultimately could become one of our top markets, but until that market uh, becomes open and stays open on a sustained basis, we really have to start looking around the globe for all uh, alternative markets, other markets that may not be as so significant, but when combined together, they uh, can help drive the needle or, or, or drive the industry and move the needle a bit uh, to help us uh, with our domestic situation. Our, our, our international situation really... Uh, is a saving grace for the challenges that we've had domestically with respect to higher-level blends and, and certainly with the, the small refiner uh, uh, exemptions. Uh, but uh, we, we have to have a uh, multi-pronged approach when it comes to international markets. We can't put all of our ba- uh, eggs into one basket, albeit that China basket is a wonderful basket to be in. Mm. Uh, but. Uh, we, we have to have a multi-pronged approach, and, and, and that is why we're trying to, to spread our message and spread the gospel uh, across the globe uh, that uh, ethanol is here. Ethanol is a global commodity, and it's, and it's uh, economic uh, and uh, available and beneficial to your consumers. Are you also discussing uh, the use of the co-products of ethanol production, DDGs, things like that? With this, we, we, we have another conference that where we really talk about that, the Export Exchange, which is another partnership that we have with the U.S. Grains Council. Uh, but this, so this, this conference is largely focused on ethanol. Um, uh, but, but, but certainly uh, there are always questions about what other co-products there are, are available. When we talk, uh, when we're having conversations kind of with the attendees about uh, um, you know, uh, ethanol and the benefits. We also talk about the additional usage, uh, bio-based chemicals, um, uh, bio-based uh, plastics. Uh, so there is some discussion uh, other products other than fuel-grade ethanol, but, but not a whole lot. All right, Ed. Well, it sounds like uh, it's a very uh, successful event, a lot of interest, obviously, from around the world. Yes, I was surprised. I, I you know, certainly uh, having, uh, uh, we invited uh, uh, just around 400 international attendees and 308 uh, are, have come. And those are, that, that, that success rate uh, from, the, from those invitations that were sent out, that gives us some under, good understanding that we've, 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 we've hit a nerve here. We've, we've, we've got some real palpable interest around the globe, and, and we just we're happy to be able to capitalize on it. Yep, good interest, good opportunities. Good to talk with you, Ed. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Good talking to you, Mike. Take care. Take care.
Ed Hubbard, Chief Counsel for the Renewable Fuels Association from the Global Ethanol Summit going on in Washington, D.C. And those export markets are key to uh, really turning this ethanol economy back around. The ethanol industry is struggling right now, really needs those markets. Uh, China would be the big one, of course, but these others are very important as well. Well, we're going to talk about the China deal, what we have, what we don't have at this point, what we know and don't know. Uh, We'll talk about uh, renewable fuels and, of course, the impeachment proceedings and its impact over all this. Uh, We're going to talk about that with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Coming up next with a Washington update. Stay with us here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. With Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit Make-A-Wish at Wish.org. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We always enjoy our visits with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now for a Washington update. Senator, good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm glad to be with you, and hopefully you and I are going to be talking sometime in the next uh, couple months, and we'll have USMCA that we can talk about being passed. That would be great news indeed. Let's Well, let's start with trade. We had the big announcement on Friday with the deal with China, but now questions are kind of cropping up. What do you know uh, about what do we have and not have at this point? Well, I will know more. I think tomorrow or Thursday we have a briefing by Lighthizer, and so I don't know anything more than what we have based upon the news conference that the president had. It's a partial agreement uh, that's going to open up uh, further protection for intellectual property 
for uh, our financial interests to do business within China on a much easier basis than they can right now. And the purchase of 40 to $50 billion of agricultural products by the Chinese. And probably that last one, even though you don't know the details of 40 to $50 billion, but that's probably the most uh, solid one that we're going to be able to measure if they actually do that. With a lot of things dealing with doing business in China and their commitment not to steal our intellectual property, I think it's going to take a long time to make sure whether or not there's been real breakthroughs there. But I do uh, welcome it, even though I would be one that said we ought to include a lot of structural reforms, doing away with the subsidies that China has for a lot of their manufacturing, et cetera. But uh, uh, I think that that uh, getting something done uh, maybe over one or two uh, or three different steps is better than nothing at all. At least we're talking. And at least there's friendlier negotiations as it appeared to me they were. Now maybe yeah. when I'm briefed by maybe when I'm briefed by Lighthizer, I may give you a whole different uh, view 48 hours from now. But right now that's my view. Yeah, well, ho hopefully it'll continue to be positive. Now you mentioned USMCA. You have certainly been pushing hard for this. Uh, how close are we, do you think, to actually getting a vote this year? Meetings still going on between Lighthizer and a Democrat working group, which means uh, trying to work out some things with Democrats on labor, environment, and enforcement, and hopefully to get some union support, although I think we can move ahead without union support, but it will sure make it a lot easier to get it done sooner. And uh, those negotiations are going on uh, yet this week, I believe. Now, does that mean that it'll come up, you know, in a three, three or four weeks from now? I, I don't know, but I think there's pretty good news that it can get done before the end of the year. Would it pass in the Senate? Well, it'd pass a lot easier in the Senate than it will the House. We won't have, if this stuff gets settled in the House of Representatives, we won't have to state senate and then remember it doesn't take 60 votes to stop debate uh debate is limited to i think uh, a limited number of hours like 10 hours or something like that then we have to vote it up or down it's not subject to a lot of amendment process either so you have been going uh around and doing a lot of speaking on the benefits of passing usmca uh, do you see it as a significant improvement over NAFTA, or just that we need to continue what we had with NAFTA? Well, we don't want to give up what we have, because we'd go back to high tariffs between our two countries, and you wouldn't want to do that. So this is an improvement, very definitely an improvement uh, in NAFTA from uh, uh, several standpoints. Uh, digital trade was not even an issue 30 years ago when they negotiated. Uh, intellectual property was not much of an issue uh, in negotiation 30 years ago. Uh, and there's things like that that are being put into the trade agreement with Mexico and Canada that uh, are a reflection of the modernization of, uh, of uh, 21st century uh, trade. Uh, within uh, areas that were previously negotiated, 
uh, and the difficulty of not getting our dairy products and poultry products and some of our best wheat into Canada, it's a dramatic improvement over what we've had for the last 30 years. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Uh, what about the RFS announcement? Is it what you thought it was going to be from your meetings at the White House? Is it as good as you hoped it would be? If it comes out the way that we uh, left the White House on September the 12th, the way it was announced last week or the week before, whenever it was announced, uh, then it completely satisfies me. There's some rumors floating around that there's some technical problems, and I can't define the word technical. Uh, but we, but I, we won't, we won't know until it's announced this afternoon by the White House. Then we'll, uh, we'll, I'll be able to better answer your question. I suppose that uh, one thing that would cause me to be a little bit suspicious, even though everybody says we're getting what we had in the White House, when the EPA puts something on paper, I guess it's one of these things you not only trust, but you trust and verify. Yeah, there's still a lot of uh, a lot put in their hands in a rulemaking process and things like that that have to go through. So. Uh, based on the history of uh, EPA with the RFS, it does have to raise some concerns. Yeah, and uh, this will be put out for comment today. Uh, it's actually an amendment to an RVO that was put out a couple months ago because this is modifying the existing rule that EPA put out, and that's, that's where uh, the waivers detracted from it. Uh, and uh, that's why we had this September 12th meeting at the Oval Office where we uh, got what we wanted. Now I'll have to see if it's on paper exactly the understanding we had when we left the Oval Office. Now, overall issue right now, of course, the impeachment proceedings. What are your thoughts on those proceedings and how they impact other things like getting USMCA passed or other uh, important items that need to be addressed? Well, the process in the House isn't like it was followed for Nixon and for Clinton, because in those other processes, the minority party, which uh, then was, when one case was Democrat and the other case was Republican, they had the right of subpoena, uh, and everything was done in open hearing. Uh, this stuff's all being done behind, hold behind closed doors, and it's kind of a star chamber approach uh, to reaching a decision whether or not there should be articles of impeachment. And uh, the president has no way of uh, calling witnesses and defending himself in that process like a congressman did during Nixon or Clinton. And so uh, beyond that, uh, based upon what Pelosi has said publicly, that she's not going to let impeachment interfere with USMCA or negotiating with the White House on drugs. If the House votes to impeach and it comes to the Senate, what would happen there? Well, you'd have kind of like you'd have a trial 
with the chief justice presiding. That's what the Constitution requires when the president is being impeached, not other people. Um, then uh, you'd have uh, both uh, defenders of the president uh, and, and, and the House of Representatives would send over a delegation to ask his prosecutors. And then the White House counsel would be a defense. And you'd argue just like you would in a, uh, in a courtroom, except the jury's 100 senators, and it takes a two-thirds vote as opposed to un- unanimous decision to impeach. And we would be sitting there as jurors, and if the House would impeach, then I wouldn't want to make any judgment about how I was going to vote to convict or not convict, because I would be a juror, just like if I was a juror in Waterloo, Iowa, and somebody and I said the guy's guilty even before I heard the case. I'd never be chosen for a juror, and I think senators should take the same point of view, not express your views till you've heard all the evidence. Mm-hmm. And one real quick note: uh, How close are you? Do you think getting a, a spending deal done by November twenty-first? Uh, if there was progress, I, and I won't know this until uh, after our caucus today, but if there's progress made on uh, negotiating between Republicans and Democrats and between the House and the Senate, uh, as was supposed to happen at the staff level, the two weeks that we were in recess because of the uh, Jewish uh, holidays and because of the uh, uh, Columbus Day national holiday, uh, then if there was that progress made, I think there's no doubt we'll get done by t- December 20, November 21st. Very good. All right. Senator, always good to talk with you, and we'll talk again uh, next month, okay? Yep. Goodbye. Take care. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Uh, wow, a lot going on right now. Always appreciate his thoughts, his time. Uh, we get the latest ag equipment sales numbers up next from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, joining us now for a look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, thank you for joining us. We are in the early stages of what looks like will be a very long harvest season. Uh, Has the... uh, 
the season and the challenges with the weather and the ag economy, uh, has that impacted uh, the latest ag equipment sales numbers at all, you think? Well, as, as you correctly say, we're looking at a long season, and I think, uh, you know, you throw out any of those seasonal trends that we've historically enjoyed in the equipment market out the window this year because there is no normal. Our September numbers showed uh, surprisingly strong numbers, uh, <clears throat> you know, across all categories, uh, under 40 horsepower, over 40 horsepower, and even combine. And historically, September's been a little bit of a, of a softer month because of harvest. But with a delay harvest, I think we're seeing maybe uh, some of that, that spike that happens in October happening before harvest this year rather than after harvest, uh, simply as farmers are looking to get in the field with a little bit newer equipment or, or making sure that they've got the right, uh, right formula of equipment on their farm. All right, let's, let's start with uh, combine numbers. What do you have? Combine numbers in September had a, had a surprisingly strong September. Uh, we sold about 50 more units in September this year than we did last year, uh, so about a 12% increase. And in the case, uh, you know, year over year, we're just a little over where we were last year, about 2% uh, over where we were last year. And again, I think that's a, uh, if you remember, we we sold a lot of combines at the end of the year last year, right after harvest. I think directly related to that to that long harvest that we were dealing with last year. I think farmers again kind of looking at their at their harvest plans and saying make sure that they have enough of enough uh, enough combine to get uh, to get through the harvest. And I think that's what we saw some of those numbers show up a little stronger than maybe we were expecting them to. All right, and on the tractor side, and on the tractor side, you know. Uh, under 40 horsepower tractors, those utility tractors continue to be really strong. As we always say, that's a it's a pretty good indication of the overall economy. But it's still showing up some some pretty nice numbers. The surprise in September, I think, was a, sort of a little bit of a rebound of that utility tractor in that 40 to 100 horsepower range, in that 100 horsepower, 100 plus horsepower tractor range, where those numbers have been they've been a little bit soft for the year. Uh, but it was with some strong sales in September. I think we kind of saw those basically coming back to uh, to a, to a flat and maybe slightly above uh, where they were this time last year. Again, I think it's uh, it's farmers looking at uh, looking at harvest and looking at a potential long harvest and say, you know what, that crop looks like it's okay. Maybe it's time for us to uh, to make an investment, or perhaps it's even uh, make sure that they just have enough equipment to to get them through harvest as quick and as safely as possible. What about Canadian uh, sales numbers? What are you seeing there? Well, Canada has been uh, has been a little bit tough. Uh, it's been tough the last you know last year or so, but uh, you know September numbers did show some improvements on the tractor front. Uh, we saw a, a nice increase in the under forty horsepower tractors in Canada, and we saw an increase in the uh, forty to one hundred horsepower tractors and hundred horsepower tractors and above. All of them bringing up to, uh, you know, we saw an increase September year over year. But because we've been in such a such the such a bit of a hole in uh, in Canada, we're still down about 12 percent, um, you know, uh, in in 40 to 100 plus uh, horsepower tractors for uh, for Canada just in general, and about 16 percent for uh, over 100 horsepower tractors, believing us to. Uh, you know we're we're down about three percent in overall tractors in Canada for this year, so it's it's still a little bit soft out there. Combines in Canada, completely different story. They've been uh, they're down a you know a twenty five to thirty percent 
uh, in Canada this year. Now, that doesn't represent a lot of numbers, but it certainly rep- represents a, uh, a percentage that uh, you know, we're certainly paying attention to because uh, you know, I think uh, Canada's got a lot of factors that are, that are affecting the overall sale of, the, uh, sale of equipment, and we certainly like to see those numbers improve. We're talking with Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, I recently saw a story about uh, uh, companies trying to expand or doing more with leasing of equipment. Uh, uh, is that a trend we're seeing more of? I know, I mean, leasing obviously is not new, but I mean, are we seeing an uptick, an increase in that? Well, I think, you know, as you look at the at the market right now, you look at the overall farm economy, I think farmers are going to look at a lot of different uh, financing options that gets them in place. And, you know, you, it's up to each individual, whether leasing is right or purchasing is right or even the timing of it to, to rely on taxes. But we're certainly seeing an uptick in, in some of those different, uh, you know, uh, leasing options or different different uh, options of, uh, of purchasing equipment or acquiring equipment, the latest and greatest technology that, that better align with uh, you know maybe where the farm economy is. So I think that's I think what we what you might see is some of those are actually even baked into some of these numbers where you've got uh, you know the way our numbers are reported is it is it is related to the first you know to the to the first title which if that's a leasing company that this that that could show just a little bit of an increase in some of those early year numbers in september specifically related to leasing of it what's the equipment inventory situation across the country well you know for for a while now i mean about five years ago we were we were dealing with just a ton of used equipment on the market i think we kind of learned a lesson on that one seems like that we've found the level you go around lots today and there's there's a fair amount of used equipment and there's a fair amount of new equipment but it's not the overarching inventory that we saw a number of years ago and it you know i think that's a pretty good indication when you see used sales the way they are it's a pretty good indication that the used market has also found its its correct level so i think we're uh, you know it's safe to say that we're, we're right about where the market needs to be in terms of uh, of inventory uh, for both used and new equipment. And as you've also probably been looking at some of the headlines, I know our, our members are taking a good, strong just holding and adjusting their production to kind of uh, uh, appropriately reflect what the overall ag economy is looking like in the next couple of years. All right, Kurt, thanks for the overview. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That does it for today here on AOA. Thanks for joining us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that, but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. 
Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. 